Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. in your Bible to the 14th chapter of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 14. Hallelujah. Now, if you're new around here, uh, uh, you may or may not know that uh, if you've been here for very, very long at all, even more than just one service, you know that we pray for the sick around here. Amen. We pray for the sick every service just about. And uh, many people have been healed. When you think about it, it's a, it's a common occurrence at this church that people are being healed. I mean, we have testimonies just about every week of someone who's received a, a, a tremendous healing. We've seen miracles, at miracles of healings, ordinary healings. We've just all, uh, over the years that we've been together as a church, you know, it, you couldn't even count all the people that have been healed. Amen. And uh, uh, we, we pray for the sick because it's in the word of God. Amen. You know, you can be healed too. I'm not talking to your neighbor. I'm talking to you. You can be healed today of everything physically wrong with you, large or small, whether it's been there a long time or it's just something new. Amen. You can be healed today. Hallelujah. Uh, go with me if you would. This is not in my notes, but go with me over to, um, uh, let me see where it is. <laughs> go to Mark's gospel, I think. Maybe not. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me find it first and I'll tell you where to go. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to uh, Luke, the sixth chapter. Luke chapter six, I think that's it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It says in verse 6 that it happened on a certain Sabbath that he entered the synagogue and taught. This is talking about Jesus, of course. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. So the scribes and Pharisees watched him closely whether he would heal on the Sabbath that they might find an accusation against him. Now think about that. They didn't want him messing up their church service. Amen. This was to them, their church service. Of course, they weren't in the church. You know, they were Jews. But but, uh, this was when they assembled together. And they didn't want Jesus doing anything miraculous during their service. You know, a lot of people like that today. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man, the man that, that, uh, whose right hand was withered, he said to the man, arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. Then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. 
Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy? And when he had looked around them all, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Now notice verse 11. But they were filled with rage and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. In other words, they plotted together to kill him. Notice, they were filled with rage. Let that, let that soak in for just a moment. They were filled with rage because he dared to heal somebody in their service. You know, that, that is so much a picture of religion and of how religion ensnares people and keeps them in bondage. There are so many people that they, 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 don't, they don't mind a, a, a Jesus being a healer in the Bible. They'll tell, their, they'll tell their children all the Bible stories of Jesus healing the multitudes. They'll tell about his miracles, walking on the water and breaking the bread, feeding the 5,000. They, they love the miracle Jesus in the scriptures, but they don't want him showing up on Sunday morning because they have their program. My son, uh, Greg, was telling me uh, just, I don't know, it's been a few years ago now that there was a friend of his that he had known since he was uh, uh, just a, a, a child. They'd gone to school together, I guess, all their life. And uh, he was talking to this man. This man was grown and married and had children of his own at the time. And, and he and Greg were talking and, and uh, he was going to a certain church in town. And uh, this was a church that kind of, was kind of a quasi it really wasn't spirit-filled. It was a, it was a Baptist church, but they, they liked a little bit of, of, uh, of uh, liberty, you know, in their services. They liked people raising their hands. They didn't like talk, speaking in tongues, but they didn't mind people raising their hands. They wanted to have, you know, a little bit more freedom. And uh, they made the mistake. It was actually a good thing, but they, they, apparently they thought it was a mistake. They hired a man who was actually filled with the Holy Spirit as a pastor. And he came in and, and he started teaching on healing, and one Sunday morning, it had, I guess it had never happened in that church. He called for anybody that needed healing. And I don't know how many people came down. I don't know if it was a large number or a few. But anyone, someone came down for healing and he was prayed for. It was either this person was prayed for or their child. I don't know if it was an adult for themselves or they brought a child. But anyway, someone was prayed for. And you know what? God healed that person. I mean, just right out in front of everybody, right in church, just healed them. This, this friend of, of Pastor Greg was telling him about it. He said, he, he was so mad. He said, I made up my mind right then, I'm leaving that church. He said, I'm gonna go back to my other former Baptist church where we don't do, they don't do that. And, and Pastor Greg said, well, why are you mad? He said, I don't, here, here was his words, if I remember it correctly. He said, I don't want to go to a church that does that. That has, that prays for people and they get healed. Now, the funny thing about it was the person actually got healed and, and this friend of Pastor Greg said, I know the person. Because Greg asked, he said, well, were they healed? He said, yeah, they were healed. And so Greg, you know, he's trying to, he's trying to, to, to figure out, you know, and kind of, he said, well, 
do you think the devil he did it or do you think God did it? He said, no, I think God did it. I think, he, I think God healed him. And Pastor Greg said, well, if, if God healed him, that's a good thing. Well, what's your problem? He said, I, I know God healed him, but I don't want to go to a church that does that. Think about that. They were filled with rage. That's what religion will do to you. Amen. I want you to notice, go over to the, to, to the 14th chapter of Acts where our text is. No, I don't want to go to a church that does that, even though I know it's good. Pastor Greg, I think he told him, he said, well, I tell you what, if, if, if your child is sick, you'll want to go to a church like that. Amen. In, in the 14th chapter of the book of Acts, this is talking about Paul and Barnabas and their first missionary journey. And uh, verse number five says, when a violent attempt was made by both the Jews and the Gentiles with their rulers to abuse and stone them, that is Paul and Barnabas, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lycaonia, and to the surrounding region. And they were preaching the gospel there. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. Now, the scripture goes into detail because he's wanting you to, to, to get a picture of this man. He was a man who was crippled from his mother's womb. That is from birth. From birth, he was crippled. He had never walked. Now, he was obviously an adult because it, because it would identify if it was a, a child or a young person, but, but it was a man and he'd been crippled since birth and in fact, it says he had no strength in his feet, which is, which is added detail. In other words, he must have been, his feet must have been paralyzed or his lower limbs paralyzed, maybe from the knee down. It doesn't say, but it said he had no strength. That would be no feeling, no, no movement in his feet. You know, you could be crippled and still be able to move your feet. But this was a man who was crippled from, his, from, from birth and he had no strength at all in his feet. He had never walked. Now you can imagine someone who, uh, with no strength in your feet, you couldn't stand up even if somebody was helping you. So he had never walked. You can, now, you know, they didn't have Nautilus machines back then. They didn't have Bowflex or any of the other. They might have had some exercise regimen, but nothing like we have today. And so, you know, it, it's, it's easy to assume that this man was in very bad shape, not just with his being crippled, but just the atrophy that would come from the, from the lack of, of exercise and movement. Isn't that right? And uh, it says that... that that he was there and he heard, this man, verse number nine says, this man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently, said, and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet, and he leaped and walked. Now that's a miracle. He leaped and walked. He had never walked in his life, and he leaped and walked. Now, the thing I want you to see here is that he had faith to be healed. Notice that Paul said he had faith. 
Paul, it says that Paul saw and observing him, he saw that he had faith to be healed. But where did he get faith to be healed? He didn't have faith to be healed before Paul came. I mean, he had been crippled all his life and now he's walking. And he had faith to be healed. He must have gotten faith to be healed from something Paul preached. Because he was listening to Paul. Well, what was Paul preaching? Verse number seven, it says, there they were preaching the gospel. While Paul preached the gospel, this man received faith to be healed. You know, today, what most people preach when they, when they say they're preaching the gospel, you know, people have different ideas of what the gospel is. And people have varying degrees of, of uh, acceptance of the gospel. You know this for a fact that some churches, and when I'm saying churches, but groups, you know, denominations or, or groups, you know that some groups preach a different gospel than others do. In other words, there's a difference in the kind of, of, of uh, the, there's a difference in the vitality, if you want to put it that way of the gospel or the salvation experience that some people have in different groups. For instance, you talk about the Baptists. Now, the Baptists are big on the new birth. The Baptists are are what we call evangelicals. We're evangelicals. Evangelicals believe in a real, uh, genuine new birth experience. Uh, Evangelicals believe in the gospel. You know, when, 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 when evangelicals preach whether it's a Baptist group or another group, they preach the gospel. They preach that people should repent of their sins, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, confess him as Lord, be baptized in water. And that creates a a culture in that group, those churches, where that's what they believe and they're strong on it. Now, you you jump across town to a different group that's not considered evangelical one of the more liturgical type churches. Do you know what I mean by that? Highbrow. Does that, does that make sense? One of those highbrow churches. You, you know, they, very often they don't preach on the new birth at all. Very seldom. And be, there will be people in those churches who are saved because they read their Bible and they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they, they, can, they, they say they believe on him and I believe they do. You know, they're safe. But you notice that there's a different kind of Christian experience. It's just different in those churches because it's, it's not, in some ways, it's not as strong as it is in the Baptist church because they emphasize things differently. Isn't that right? Well, there, there are different degrees of the gospel that people preach. And some people preach more of the gospel and others preach less of the gospel. And the ones who preach less of the gospel, they still believe they're preaching the whole gospel. But, excuse me, but they're not preaching the whole gospel. And, and when it comes to healing, in, in a lot of places today, uh, what, is, what is considered the gospel has no reference to healing. In fact, in a lot, and I'm not criticizing anybody because I'm not calling any names or anything, but I'm saying in a lot of places today, not only is healing not presented, it's spoken against. 
I mean, the gospel that's preached in some places, healing is spoken against. Well, you couldn't get faith for healing. You couldn't get faith for healing if healing's being spoken against. I mean, it would have to be, there would have to be something in Paul's words about healing for this man to have faith to be healed. Is there something in the gospel that has to do with healing? Absolutely. Healing goes with the gospel like wet goes with water. You know, you get water, you're going to have wet. It just goes with water and wet go together. You can't separate them. Well, Paul was preaching the gospel. That's all he was preaching. Now, we don't know what else happened to this man. I, I have every reason, just personally, I have every reason to believe that he not only uh, heard about uh, repentance. You know, Jesus said that, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. Well, I believe Paul did that because that's part of the gospel. And so I don't doubt that this man was also born again. He heard the gospel. He repented of his sins. He, he gave his heart to Jesus. He was born again. Now, but it doesn't say that about him. You read this passage from the beginning and end, there's no reference to this man actually being born again. Now, I'm not saying he wasn't. I believe he probably was. The point is, the only thing it points out that he received was healing. And he got faith to be healed from, from listening to Paul preach the gospel. That tells me that healing is part of the gospel. Otherwise, how did he get faith to be healed? Amen. Go with me over to the 8th chapter of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8. This is the story, of course, of Philip when he went to Samaria to preach the gospel after, you know, the persecution broke out there in Jerusalem and they were scattered and everywhere, went different places preaching. Philip was one of the early deacons of the church. It says, therefore, verse number 4, therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Well, that'd be the same thing as preaching the gospel. And that preaching the word is preaching the gospel. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Well, that would be preaching the gospel. Preaching the word, preaching Christ, that's preaching the gospel. So Philip was preaching the gospel. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Notice that healings and miracles accompany the preaching of the gospel. That's two references. Not only, not only was miracles and healings taking place, he said also unclean spirits, verse number seven. Unclean spirits. Now, a lot of people get nervous right there. We don't want to go to a church that does that. Unclean spirits crying with a loud voice. Oh, Lord, don't let that happen on Sunday morning. Unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. All of that came about as, as Philip preached Christ. You see, the truth of the matter is there is no Christ without Christ the healer. There is no Christ without Christ the miracle worker. The, Christ without miracles and healings and setting captives free Without, without that, you're, you don't, you've not been introduced to the real Christ. Or you've been introduced to a partial, a portion of Christ. 
And you know, God, God will bless what you believe. In other words, if you just believe a little bit about Christ and you believe that and you accept that and act on that, he'll, he'll respond to you. If you just believe that Jesus came to save, to forgive and to save, if you believe that and act on that, he'll forgive you, he'll save you, you'll receive that. But if, but if you don't know anything else about him, you won't receive the rest. But this and these two passages tell us that in the book of Acts, when people preached Christ, healings, miracles, signs, wonders, Demon people being set free? Well, I don't know about all that demon stuff. I don't want, I sure hope that doesn't happen in my church. Well, if you were demon possessed, you'd hope, you'd hope it happened. If you had somebody in your family that was oppressed with an evil spirit, you'd want them to get set free. Amen. Oh, praise the Lord. Go over to uh, the 16th chapter of Mark's gospel. Mark chapter 16. I'm helping somebody here. Hallelujah, Mark chapter 16. Jesus said, just before he ascended into heaven, in verse number 15, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, let me stop right here and say something first. In the margin of my Bible, over, there's a note there in verse number nine. And the note says, verses nine through 20 are bracketed in in you as not being in the original text. They're saying that verses 9 through 20 aren't part of the New Testament. And it says, they say this because they are lacking in Codex Sinaiticus and Codex Vatanicus. Those are two complete transcripts of the New Testament that were found, when I say relatively, relatively recently in the last hundred years. They found these complete uh, uh, text, not the, not the originals. Everybody understand they're not the originals, they're copies. But they have, they have over uh, 25,000 copies of the New Testament, either complete copies like these or fragments. There are only a few complete copies of, of the New Testament. There are multiple thousands, tens of thousands of fragments. And these fragments are dated at all different times. Well, it says here in this note that verses 9 through 20 are bracketed in the NU as not being in the original text because they are lacking in Codex Sinaiticus and Codex Vatanicus. Although, now notice it says, although nearly all other manuscripts of Mark contain them. Listen, if you, if you have a Bible, if you're reading a Bible right now that, that, that doesn't include verses 9 through 20, you really ought to change Bibles. Because, I'll tell you why, I know that these verses should be in there. Number one, if you look at verse number eight, now according to this theory, verses nine through 20 are not in the original. Well, if that's true, I want you to notice how the book of Mark ended. So they went out quickly, fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The end of the gospel of Mark. Well, now that's absurd. I mean, all the other three gospels include that, but they also go on to include that Jesus appeared to them and that he rebuked their unbelief and they believed on him and, and that he stayed with them. We don't, the, the, the other uh, gospels do not record how long, but we know from the epistles that he stayed with them 40 days 
after his ascension, before he ascended into heaven and taught them many things and, and they were full of faith and praising God. So verse number eight could not be the end of the gospel of Mark. Something has to be, if that's true, something was taken away, isn't that right? Well, what about verses nine through 20? What's, what's the support for them? Well, like it said, nearly all the other manuscripts of the New Testament contain verses nine through 20. But there are some religious groups because they are so opposed to signs, wonders, and miracles. They're so opposed to people casting out devils and you see that in verse number 17. They're so opposed to, to uh, laying hands on the sick and other miraculous signs. They're so opposed to that that they'll just empty the, they'll just scrap that whole verses nine through 20 and leave the, leave the disciples afraid. That's, you know, that's pretty sad. In fact, though these two manuscripts do not contain verses nine through, through 20, those manuscripts, and I'd have to go back and study again, have a, they're dated, you know, according to archaeologists. They date them as, as, as having been written at a certain time. You know, they're copies written at a certain time. But remember I said there are thousands and thousands of fragments? Well, there are fragments of Mark that are dated earlier than the Sinaiticus and the Vatanicus, and guess what? They have those verses in them. Not only that... There are other writers, you know, there were what we call the church fathers and those were the, the second generation of writers, not the apostles that we have in the New Testament, but the very next generation of church leaders. And, you know, in the, in the end of the first century and right on into the beginning of the second century and through the second century, collectively we call those the church fathers. I think it's a great, crazy name because uh, the New Testament writers are the church fathers in my opinion. But they call them the church fathers. But it's interesting that some of those writings from way back then, far earlier than the Sinaiticus and the Vatanicus, some of those early church fathers actually quoted Mark Chapter 16, and they quote these verses. So that tells me at least in the early second century, they were there. So just put that at rest. If your Bible makes you doubt that this is not valid, it is. And if, and if, it's, and if that part's not in your Bible, you need to get another Bible. Hallelujah. So Jesus said, can we go back to verse 15? Jesus said, go unto all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved and he who does not believe will be condemned. You know, a lot of people, a lot of religions want to stop right there. A lot of denominations want to stop right there. That's all they preach. But he also said, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Is that not exactly what was happening in the eighth chapter of Acts where we were just reading? Paul, uh, Philip went down to Samaria, preached Christ to them, and they gave heed, seeing and hearing the miracles which he did for those who were possessed with unclean spirits. The spirits cried out, came out of them. Uh, isn't that right? There were heals, healings going on. Why? Because that's part of the gospel. If the gospel is being preached, people will be, be set free. Amen. And the same faith that gets you healed will solve any other problem in your life. 
Whether it's a physical problem, a financial problem, a relationship problem in your marriage, in your home, a situation at work that's just not, you know, what, what uh, uh, would be good, something that, that, that's non-profitable, that's not working. I'm telling you, God will answer your prayer and he will do what you need him to do if you'll just exercise faith. So healing is part of the gospel. Go, go with me, go with me to the fourth chapter of Matthew. Matthew chapter four. Hallelujah. Matthew four, verse 23. Then Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogue, and doing what? Say it again, what? Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Well, would that be some other gospel or is that the same gospel we're preaching today? Same gospel. Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. They brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him. And it talks about all the places they followed him from. So what I'm saying is we see that healing is part of the gospel. Now I want you, this is the other thing I want to point out before we go today. And this is, go back to Acts chapter 14. This is something you must see. Acts chapter 14 Acts chapter 14. Now, in my Bible, my, my new King James, it doesn't do this, but I had an old Bible, an older uh, King James version. You know how they have the settings, you know, the, rather the headings over different passages? For instance, in my Bible, at the top of chapter 14, it says, at Iconium. And then beginning in verse 8, it has uh, idolatry at Lystra. And then in verse 19, above it, it says stoning, escape to Derby. In other words, the, the, uh, the editors, they put these section headings. An old Bible I had, an old King James, when it came to verse number nine, it said, Paul healeth a man at Lystra. That's what it said. Paul healeth a man at Lystra. Well, that's a lie. Paul didn't heal a man at Lystra. Let's read. It says they, they were, in verse number seven, they were preaching the gospel. And at Lystra, a certain man without strength in his seat was sitting, being crippled from his mother's womb who had never walked. The man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. And so somebody said, oh, isn't that amazing how Paul healed that man at Lystra? The man at Lystra wasn't healed because of Paul. Paul didn't heal him. Paul didn't even pray for him. He wasn't healed on Paul's faith. He wasn't healed because Paul was an apostle. He wasn't healed because Paul had gifts of the Spirit operating in his life. That's not how he got healed. It tells us that Paul did three things and it tells us that the man did three things. What, what three things did the man do? Well, first thing, the first three things that Paul did. Paul preached the gospel, verse number seven. Verse number nine, he saw that the man had faith to be healed. 
And then number three, verse number 10, he said to the man, leap and walk, or, or stand upright on your feet. Paul preached the gospel. He saw that the man had faith to be healed, and he said, stand upright on your feet. The man did three things. He heard Paul speak, preach the gospel. He had faith to be healed. He leaped and walked. So what in the world did Paul have to do with it? The only part Paul had was preaching the gospel. Notice the man was healed because of his faith. Say it differently. His faith healed him. His faith healed him. Now, it's true that Paul perceived that the man had faith to be healed. I personally believe that that was a gift of the Spirit in operation, that he discerned that by the Holy Spirit. I personally believe that he was, that he was supernaturally prompted by the Spirit of God to say to the man, leap and walk, or, or excuse me, stand upright on your feet. But there was no gift of the Spirit to impart faith to that man. The man, the, a lot of people believe that faith comes by special impartations. That, and, and a lot of people pray for faith. They'll pray, oh, if I just had faith, I could believe God. I, I'm just praying that God will give me faith that I'll be able to believe him for this, this particular situation that, that they have or this need in their life. Oh, if I just had faith. God, give me faith. You know, faith doesn't come by praying for it. Nowhere in the Bible does, but does it say that faith comes by praying for it. You could pray all day long until you were blue in the faith, face and you'd still have no faith. You'd just be blue in the face. That's all that you'd get is a blue face. Faith doesn't come by praying for it. Faith doesn't come by hoping for it. And God doesn't just single certain people out and bless them with faith. A lot of people, I've heard it said of people, well, you know, that person just has great faith. As if it's just something that they have. In other words, as if God just, they're a special case. And somehow, some way, we don't know why or how, just some way, they just seem to have a lot of faith. God has just blessed. A lot of people believe that. That's not true. I said, that's not true. God doesn't just bless. Now, there is a spiritual gift called faith, but that's a, that's a separate thing than, than faith that we're talking about here. Because if you think about it, if, if it required a special gift from God to have faith, then only, only people who were specially gifted could be saved. Because by faith, for by grace, you were saved through faith. Well, if you didn't have any faith, grace couldn't work. And, and so it's not just something that God especially gifts people with. Everybody has, everybody gets saving faith the same way. How do you get saving faith? By hearing the gospel. Go to Romans chapter eight, or, or chapter 10 rather, Romans chapter 10. And look at verse number Look at verse number 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? You know, you couldn't call on the Lord if you didn't believe on him. How could they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? 
And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Notice that somebody has to be sent to preach the gospel in order for people to to hear and believe. Why is that? It says down in verse number 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's the only way faith comes. I'm talking about general faith, whether it's saving faith or faith to be healed, it comes one way, it comes by hearing the word of God. That's exactly what happened to this man at Lystra. Paul preached the gospel and then seeing this man, he perceived or or saw that the man had faith to be healed. He got faith to be healed from hearing the gospel. It was his faith that healed him. Go with me over to Mark chapter five. Mark chapter five. It's another verse we're gonna close with. (laughs) Mark chapter five. You know what it means when a, when a preacher says we're gonna close with this verse, don't you? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Mark chapter five, verse number 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better. Instead, she grew worse. When she had heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garments. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made whole or well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Notice he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. You know, we know that on one level and an an important level that it was God's power that healed her because it says that Jesus uh, immediately knew in himself that power had gone out of him. Well, it went out of him and into her. So we know that God's power healed her, but notice Jesus didn't mention his power. He told the woman, he said, your faith, your faith has healed you. He didn't talk about his power. He said it was your faith. Why did he say that? He wanted everybody else in the crowd to know how she had gotten her healing. She got her healing on the basis of her faith. You see, all these other people were touching him, but no power was flowing out of him. It said that when she touched his garment, that power flowed out of him and healed her. Well, other people were touching him, but he had power enough to heal them all. There was enough power to have healed everybody that touched him. Nobody else got healed. Why was that? The power didn't flow because no one else exercised faith. It was her faith that made her whole. Now, maybe you've come from a church background. Maybe you've been taught. And and, and you can, I have other examples here. We're not gonna look at them this morning, but go through your Bible. Look Look up blind Bartimaeus. How was he healed? Jesus said, blind Bartimaeus, your faith has made you whole. 
That's how he received his healing. You go through the, through the gospels and you'll see time and time again where Jesus told people it was your faith. We know it was his power, but faith is what causes the power of God to flow into one person and not into another because one person has faith and the other one doesn't. Somebody, I know some people have come from a background that has taught you that, uh, well, you know, these things have been done away with. God doesn't heal today. He doesn't, you know, miracles aren't for today. These times have passed. But have you ever thought about it? Have you ever heard anybody say that faith has been done away with? Have you ever heard anybody say faith that, that, that faith is not for today? No. Well, if faith hasn't been done away with, then your faith can make you whole. Because her faith made her whole. Bartimaeus's faith made him whole. This crippled man's faith made him whole. How were they made whole? By their faith. That tells me that if their faith made them whole, my faith will make you whole. Your faith will make my faith will make me whole. Your faith will make you whole. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Well, people say if I could, if I just had enough faith. Listen, it's not a matter of having enough. It's just a matter of believing. A lot of people sit in churches like ours and they've heard so much about faith that they've not laid hold of it. And their knowledge of faith blocks them from exercising faith. Faith is simple. Faith is simple. How many faith seminars had blind Bartimaeus attended? How many CDs had the woman with the issue of blood listened to? How many of Brother Hagin's meetings uh, was, was the man there in, at Lystra? Uh, how many, how, how many of, of Brother Paul's meetings was he in before he got healed? None. He came to the service. The gospel was preached. And the gospel is that Jesus is the Savior and the healer, praise God. And they exercised faith in that and they were healed. They didn't have a whole stack of CDs to listen to. They didn't have an MP3 player. They didn't have a website they could go to and listen to. They simply believed and acted. Listen, as soon, and you say, well, I, I just don't know if I, can, if, I can, if I can believe that. Well, then keep listening. Just keep listening. But the, but the point I want to make is soon as the light comes, as soon as you get it and you suddenly realize, you know what? If their faith made them whole, my faith will make me whole. Jesus is the healer. He did promise me healing. As soon as, you, as soon as you see that, if you'll act on it right then, you'll be healed. Listen, don't let people discourage you by telling you, well, you just need to study longer. You need to read more books. No, 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 no. You just need to act on the faith that's in your heart. Let's stand up. Praise the Lord. Faith is an act. I said faith is an act. Glory to God. And you can have, you can have the faith of God working in your life just by simply acting on what you believe. Hallelujah. It doesn't take a special uh, deep knowledge of the Bible. I've seen people healed who, who knew virtually nothing about faith. In fact, in all of my years pastoring, the people that I, I'm not gonna call their names, but the people that I've seen get healed the easiest were people who were very simple in their faith. 
They didn't, they didn't uh, seem to feel like they needed, you know, 900 scriptures, several CD sets to listen to. They just simply believed that Jesus would heal them when they asked. And every single time he did. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm telling you, Jesus is a healer. It's his plan that you be healed. Your faith today will make you whole. Simply act on what you believe. Simply act on what you believe. (laughs) Oh, glory to God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.